21 minutes to go before 10 o'clock and believe me, 21 minutes is just not enough for the next conversation. And that is, of course, uh, the issue around are we winning uh, the Rhino Horn w- uh, War? And and as you know, we've had, uh, you know, three, four years ago, if not five years ago, we had major coverage on this particular issue. As you would recall, uh, there was almost a, a daily countdown as to the number of rhinos that we were losing on a day-to-day basis. But uh, segueing into that and linked to that, um, I'm joined in studio by both uh, Bonnet de Bord, uh, who is the presenter and researcher as well as a filmmaker, uh, Susan Scott, who is the director researcher as well as the filmmaker for a documentary on this very subject matter, and that is uh, called Struop. Um, the the documentary it's a local documentary a journey into the rhino horn war local do- uh, it's a local documentary uh, which is uh, taking uh, top international uh, circuits by storm as it hits its 27th award i mean there's <laughs> well, how many titanic was limited to like 13 or something <laughs> i know it's, it's actually it's amazing you know we are absolutely thrilled um with the reception of mm. the film not only locally but also internationally i think it it's safe to say, Susan, it exceeded all our expectations. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, we started off as, as independent filmmakers mm. making making this film without any commission from, from any broadcaster, not ultimately knowing where it was going to go. Uh, and I think a lot of people said to us, you know, a documentary on rhino poaching, well, no one's going to watch that, you know. So to, to have it to have it mm. received like this and to have have had so many people watch it around the world is is wonderful. Well, we'll get back to that 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 sort of uh, party pooper negative Nancy approach of no one will watch it because for me, the people should be watching mm. this. I mean, mm. it's the single biggest major fauna crisis that we have right. at the moment. You know, mm. okay, yeah, if, uh, you know, arguably the polar bear and you know all the other factors, global climate change and the impact that it's having on uh, megafauna is is obviously in question. But I guess. For us, at the southern tip of the African continent, the the rhino is is top of mind. Mm. But let's talk about you know the 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 rhino uh, you know situation for lack of a better term, because of course you know very well that for many years uh, there, as I said very recently, we actually had a countdown. And I remember year seven or two there was a major focus. The one year, much to the disappointment of a lot of people, person of the year in terms of the um, uh, the, the I think the South African Press Club. Or Sanef, I can't remember, but they appoint. They actually said that the rhino was the person of the year because it was under threat. But mm. um, w- what has happened since? Because I, to be honest, I don't hear much mm. about rhino. If if you don't mind, uh, mm. Bene, if we can start start with you on this one. Well, that's a really good question, and um, you know we'll talk about the statistics. Mm. Uh, the Department of Environment, Fisheries, and um, Forestry released the 2019 rhino poaching statistics early February. And what's really interesting and at the same time frustrating for us as journalists and filmmakers is that in the past, they used to have press briefings. So inviting all the press, Mm. have a panel of experts, including the Minister of Environment, but also Minister of Justice, Mm, Minister mm. of Police, even rangers from the ground, uh, so that we could ask the important questions, Mm. where we are at, where we're standing. But now recently... They only released the statistics with a press release, a very short press release via their website. And I just don't think it's good enough. Mm. We can't ask those questions uh, any, you know, anymore. So that to me is a problem. And then if we go back and look at the statistics, yes, there is a decline in the number of rhinos poached in 2019 compared to 2018. Yeah. But they don't release the census results. 
So we need to look at the whole rhino population in ah, the Kruger yeah, National yeah. Park. Okay. And that's the number of live rhinos. Mm. So we can't really say for certain, are we making progress? Yeah. We, we can't say that. Uh, so yes, the, there is a decline and, and that's wonderful news on paper. But if you look at the past six years at the census results that they did make available, we have lost half of the white rhino population in the Kruger National Park, wiped Gee, out 50%. So there is a decline, but uh, whether we can say we're winning the war, that's a different story. And I think the other thing as well, is that's, that's what drove us to make the film, mm. was the fact that we're environmental filmmakers and you know we were privy to what was happening in Kruger. We would go in, we would maybe film another story on wild dogs, and we would see this effort on the ground, uh, the, the huge work being done, not mm. just by the rangers, but by the vets, mm. by the orphan rehabbers. Um, and and Bonnet and I said, well, you know, we have to show this. Surely someone's making a film about this huge yeah. effort. Um, these, are, these are South Africans. You know, you think about the, the prosecutors. They are going out there yeah. and representing the state and they are, um, mm. you know, fighting for the state resource, which is our rhinos. And they go in every single day around the country, um, you know, traffickers that come through mm-hmm. the airport. So they'll be in Kempton Park. The poachers that get caught in Kruger, they'll be uh, in courts um, surrounding the, the, the Kruger area in Skakuza itself. So it was very important for us to be able to show that aspect, these mm-hmm. You know, I suppose people would say ordinary South Africans, but they're anything but ordinary. I, I mean, I, I find it absolutely stunning, going back to what you had mentioned earlier, Bonet, uh, around the issue of, of uh, not you, uh, not Bonet, but you rather, Susan, you mentioned the fact that um, you wanted to make this film and, and the first response was who would want to watch it. I mean, I would have assumed that there's a major concern, that there's a major attention that would be paid uh, to the the fate of rhinos. Uh, why would it was it such an unpopular prospect. I mean, I can understand people want to be entertained, people want to do all kinds of other things, but I mean, in terms of documentary filmmaking, in other words, sharing information, mm-hmm. educating people, raising awareness, I would have assumed that at least in the conservation space, that this would be one of those things that would have been a sure win and that, in fact, you wouldn't, you, you, I don't blame you for being surprised that no one was busy making this particular movie in the first instance. Yeah, and I guess, well, I mean, I think that that is what took us by by surprise was when we started the journey and we started mm. looking at film distributors. Uh, broad, we were both in the broadcast industry, speaking to mm. our colleagues in the broadcast industry, and they just said to us, "No, you I mean, come on, you know, people go to the movies and they watch, you know, the Marvel um, brand of of movies. They're not going to come through and 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 watch your film." Mm. And there was just that everywhere where we went, there was just that wall that we kept facing. And I think also the other thing as well is it's. It's difficult for broadcasters to sell that advertising space if you're looking at, and and they didn't know what we were going to show, but you're looking at dead rhinos, carcasses, it's uncomfortable. And also you've got to look at things, you know, you've got to face aspects of corruption, um, not just here, but corruption throughout the whole chain, throughout, you know, where the rhino horn travels to in in Asia and all throughout Africa. So, and and as Bonnet likes to always say, corruption is the biggest enabler of wildlife trafficking. Mm. And and that's that's a fact. It it is. And I think that is something that we do have to discuss. And maybe it will, maybe a couple of uh, spoilers there for people that haven't watched it yet. But I mean, ultimately, we do need to start talking about that specific issue as well. Right. um, Around uh, the corruption and who's involved and, and how does it end up in Southeast Asia? How does it, because that's where the market largely yes. sits. And yeah. guys, it's not, 
is an aphrodisiac. It's for all kinds of things, <laughs> yeah. headaches and cancer and goodness knows whatever. Yeah. But, I, but uh, I mean, uh, the role uh, you in, in making this film, you, you're exposing yourself to those corrupt elements. These are potentially high-ranking politicians and officials that wouldn't like their faces seen on camera or, or be made, made mention of in your film. You're putting yourself in danger as well as the people who are linked to them. I'm sure it wasn't an easy process. It wasn't an easy process. We, for example, had to change uh, our edit suite four times mm. because of safety reasons. Uh, we had threats on, on social media, Facebook messages. Um, you know, we couldn't pinpoint from exactly who it was, but things like we're going to firebomb your mother's houses. Wow. Uh, we would attend many court cases because we followed the state prosecutors handling the rhino poaching cases and the accused would just turn around in the dock and take cell phone pictures wow. of the two of us, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. Sort of what Susan is doing now. <laughs> sort of what she's doing she's right now. Yes, she's demonstrating. She's, she's just showing you, you know, exactly. So that was pretty scary. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, you have to put it in, into perspective. State prosecutors, they, they get this on a daily basis. Um, there was one state prosecutor, I w- I'm not going to mention a name, mm-hmm. but um, after handling a syndicate case, she got home and uh, there Let's was... Let's not go into specifics. Yeah, because then uh, there was just a, a note written in, in Chinese basically threatening, threatening her. Wow. So these prosecutors deal with it on a mm. daily basis. You know, we mm. sort of jump in and, and do this film. It took us four years. Four years? Yeah, well, we anticipated a six-month project. It <laughs> ended up being four years. But it's just so Jeez. complicated, you know, multi-layered problem. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you, you have to put it into perspective. Um, and I guess that's, that really helped us yeah. uh, in the process. And also in Asia, we, mm. we quickly... F- you know, realize that we can't just focus on the source site where mm. rhinos are in Africa. We also have to focus on the demand site where mm. rhino horn is used. And Vietnam is a communist country, so all forms of media are controlled by the communist party. So they're not going to allow you to show government in a, in a negative light. Mm. Uh, we applied for a filming permit in 2015. We're still waiting for it. So in order to capture the legal side of things, we had to become illegal ourselves mm. and go and film undercover. And that's exactly what we did uh, to show the product as it is seen in Asia on camera to, mm-hmm. to show the world really what, why our rhinos are being slaughtered. Wow. I mean, that for me is absolutely just, um, it, it sends shivers down the spine, you know, for, you know, for if anything else, where you're in the situation, it's, it's quite precarious. Uh, prosecutors themselves getting, uh, you know, threats and goodness knows whatever. But at the same time, um, you, you said that you initially thought this was a six-month project, but then it became four years. I see that it's, you did it independently, which mm-hmm. meant that, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Susan, that no one you know, commissioned this film. Uh, it didn't sound that, <laughs> as if anyone was initially interested in it in the first place, uh, which ultimately means that you have to raise your own money. You have to make sure that your camera people and whoever else is part of the process are fed. Uh, get paid at the end of the month, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure, I'm sure that must have been one hell of a journey for you. Yeah, look, I mean, I would love to say we had a whole team of cameramen and sound you're guys. You're basically looking but, at the um, team. But you're looking at wow. the team here. Yeah. <laughs> Me yeah, and Susan, that's it. Look, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, there were budgetary constraints. But I think the other thing as well is you can't send 
a camera crew in mm. when we're on foot patrol with the rangers and we don't know what time we're coming back and we also don't know if we're going to get into a contact. Um, you know, that, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, mm. you, you know, we were prepared to put our lives at risk, but you can't now hire somebody and, and, and ask them to do yeah, that and true. say, I look, I don't know, you know, if we'll be back by Wednesday or Thursday, but, you know, good luck and, and, oh, and have back, a good time. Be back yeah. at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, um, but the independent journey, it was incredibly difficult. But I have to say that the that the public were just incredible. And I mm. think that's what's happened is, is that, um, you know, people always talk about fake news and, you know, they talk about the independence of, of media. Yeah. And there's a real desire for that from the public. So people knew, and I think the word spread on social media that, um, you know, here were these two women that were crazily trying to make this film looking at all aspects of rhino poaching and, hey, let's help them Mm, out. mm. Let's forward purchase a digital download of their film. And, you know, and before we knew it, we, you know, and anytime we ran out of money while we were filming, we'd say, okay, well, we have to sell calendars or we'd have to do another push or another drive. And you know what? The money came in. We got grants from international organizations who heard about us um, over social media. So social media was incredible Mm. for us. And I think that's the way that new independent filmmaking is going. Exactly. Our supporters really became our executive producer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's the amazing thing about it. I mean, that's, 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 I guess, a conversation for another time. We're gone other days where you needed, and it's probably the worst possible example, especially since I have two women in studio with me (laughs) to use, but you don't need a Harvey Weinstein anymore. You know, you don't have to go to someone who's an executive producer. Now it's democratized. People have access to all kinds of things, um, you know, and and, and means of funding. And that's exactly what Mm -hmm. you demonstrated with this. But, you know, one looks at a film like this and, and you know, I, I always, I regard myself as a cinephile and, and yes, I'm a peasant cinephile at the same time. You know, I like my Marvel movies. I like my uh, Stirk Unicorn New Metro releases, you know, right. that type of, I'm not, I wouldn't pretend to, to be a cinema nouveau guy. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, you know, I know what goes into making a film and, and sometimes you just want to entertain, sometimes you want to awe and shock and you want to do mm. all those fancy things. But in this instance, you wanted to educate, you wanted to inform and you wanted to lift the lid on on an underground um, world that all too often we only see via news headlines and, and arrests at, air, you know, at the mm. airport and occasionally in the bush. Um, and we don't know much about it. I mean, do you think that you've done what you wanted to do with this film? Mm-hmm. Have you reached the number of people mm-hmm. that you've wanted to? Has it had an impact in mm-hmm. terms of the pressure that it places on our own government, mm-hmm. as well as the governments of many Southeast Asian countries where they are trading actively in Rhino Horn? Mm. You know, it's very difficult to measure a film's impact because how yeah. do you actually quantify it? But what I can say is that Stroop has become more than just a film. It is now part of the South African um, Police Endangered Species Unit training workshop. Wow. Uh, It has been shown at illegal wildlife conferences around the world. Uh, In London, for example, to global leaders from around 77 countries, uh, the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, they screened the film to Asian journalists in Bangkok. Uh, The film was screened to the Hong Kong judiciary, the magistrates dealing with the trafficking cases. Uh, And yes, and it's also been screened in China and Hong Kong, which is a, a 
big step in the right direction because, as you know, the mm, demand mm. countries on their national broadcasters. Uh, the film is also available now digitally on five different platforms in over 80 countries in five languages. Mm. So I think I can certainly say that it has created awareness, and not only locally but, but globally. Yeah, and I think, sorry, I just want to jump in there as well. I mean, locally, we initially made the film so that South Africans could could not say, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. So 10 years' time when we've lost all our rhinos that they go, oh, well, I didn't know it was that bad. So that's really, that's what drove us at the beginning. Yeah, so absolutely. to have this international mm. impact was obviously was fantastic. But to have it go out, um, it, you know, it, it, it went out on a local broadcaster here. I don't know if I can mention the name, but, yeah, but it, oh, it went out on Mnet on, on World Rhino Day. And it was phenomenal because Mnet really punted it. And, and mm. um and it, it it had a huge audience. So and we've seen that impact. People have contacted us and said, "I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm, mm. This is what I want to do going forward." Um, you know, my kids were really um, impacted by it, and and they want to um, move into game ranging or conservation in some way. So that's mm. been that's been amazing to get that feedback back locally. I think this is probably the toughest question, and I I, I hate the fact that I left it for so long, uh, so you know towards the end of the conversation, especially considering the the spirit of the conversation. But I find that you know interest in in rhino conservation has become a very classist thing. Um, you know, it's 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 upper middle class, it's middle class, upper middle mm. class. It's worried about the rhinos, and mm. to some extent, it also then uh, reflects the racial uh, demographics of the country. How do we? change the, that, that narrative around. I think it's everyone's concern. I don't mm. think it's a white thing or a black mm. thing. I don't mm. think it's a rich thing or a poor thing. It shouldn't be. But to a large extent, it has become that in South Africa the, where, you know, working class, poorer people would say, but hang on, I have bigger fish to fry. I'm, I, you know, so what if we lose sure. a rhino? And I've Absolutely. heard it on, yeah. on the show. People have called in and, and said, so what if the rhinos go? Yeah. Why is this important, A? And B, how do we democratize this thing and make it accessible and important for everyone from, you know, no matter what strata of society you mm. occupy. Well, but yeah, we, both, we, both, we both, we both, we both, we're so passionate about it, we both want to This answer. is for both of you. So, Bene, <laughs> um, you have a yeah. minute and a half and then after that, Susan, okay, you have a minute okay, and a so half. Okay, so a minute well. and a half, here we go. Uh, you know, when we were growing up, we had the privilege of visiting our national parks, like mm, the Kruger mm. National Park. Many people didn't have that opportunity. Mm. Uh, you know, we have communities living alongside the Kruger National Park, two million people, and yet they've never been inside the park. Now, how can you love something if you don't even know it? Mm. So, in my opinion, we need more community involvement. We need to, to have programs where we take people in to, mm. to actually mm. um, create that love for nature and for wildlife in general, including the rhino. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we um, we asked Kruger National Park if we could screen the film when we came back. No. Um, and if we could screen the film to the rangers, to the people who fry the chips at the cattle baron inside sure. the Kruger National Park. And it was incredible. We were inside the park for a week. We screened at all the camps and we just set up wherever we could. Um, you know, some of the guests who were inside the park came to join us. But so many people came to us and said... This has really impacted me. Mm. I come in on the bus in, in the morning and, um, you know, I've been working um, at, a, at a restaurant here um, washing dishes. And every time we come in, I always wonder what's going on with rhinos? Why is this happening to rhinos? And this film answered all my questions. Thank you for that. And, and, and that was 
that was incredible. That's what we wanted, you know, people mm. to to resonate with and and, and see. So obviously, mm. we would love this film to be seen through throughout South Africa wherever we can. Mm. So, you know. The schools contact us, community areas, NGOs, they contact us. And we say, absolutely, the film's available for free at all educational screenings. Screen it, show it. And we've taken it to a lot of um, schools and community areas as well. So that's, that's an ongoing thing that we've been doing. So, yeah. So educational screenings are free. People have access absolutely. to it. Uh, but obviously, that's that's community dependent and, and demand dependent, for lack of a better term. But where else can people catch it at the in, in the interim? You mentioned digital downloads as well. So I take it it's available on digital digital platforms, but yes. there's a couple of other places where you can find it as well. Yes, so it's available on Showmax, uh-huh. uh, locally, obviously, and internationally, and also on iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo On Demand, and Amazon Prime. And then we also have it on DVD. If people are still interested in DVDs, it's available uh, to order purchase from our website. And we also have them available in Punt all the... website. The Don't be shy. <laughs> it's uh, strip-film.com. And on um, channel uh, on DSTV Triple One next next Monday. Next Monday it will. Yeah. Next, I'm air definitely again. watching. I'm yeah. definitely watching. In Triple One. Let's leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. It was absolutely stunning chatting to you. It's tragic that we have to talk about rhinos in the, you know under these circumstances, but I think it was absolutely a stunning conversation. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, to you. so much. Thanks for having us.